Welcome to High Cheese. It's Saturday, November 25th, 2023. And I usually do my episodes on Friday. But I, I was out in the great state of Pennsylvania celebrating the holidays with my family. And I spent an extra day up there to celebrate. And I feel so fortunate to have a good family where you look forward to the holidays, which gives you another opportunity to be with your family. And the family is the cornerstone of Judeo-Christian society. And we should treasure that. And we should keep it going because the left hates the nuclear family. Whether you see it in school systems, trying to take away parental rights, whether you see these left-wing organizations trying to undermine all of the holidays that bring family together, they hate it. And it should give us more incentive to reach out to family and to enjoy the family that you have and to value it because it's not the institutions that keep this country going. It's not government paychecks. It's the family, the family unit. And remember that every holiday takes an effort to keep families going, particularly in today's society. So I'm back. And we have an interesting episode this week. And let's get to it. And there's a new president in Argentina, a Trump-loving economist. Javier Malay was recently elected president of Argentina. Now, let me give you a little background on Argentina. Argentina has an inflation rate of 140%. 140% inflation. And that's compared to the 18% that we have here in the United States since Joe Biden took over. Now, when you take a look at 18%, which is still unacceptable here, 140% inflation is just mind-boggling. And the people had enough. And let me tell you something. We have 18% inflation since Biden took office. That number would be much closer in the direction of 140% if we didn't have the reserve currency, if the U.S. dollar wasn't a reserve currency for the world. And we're slowly losing it because our, our government policies, our leadership, we're slowly losing our reserve currency status. And Argentina has extremely high taxes. So the people of Argentina had enough. And Javier Malay. He's come in and he's promised to reduce the size of government, lower taxes, abolish their central bank, which is their equivalent of our Fed. And I think he wants to peg the Argentinian currency to the U.S. dollar. He either either wants to peg it to the U.S. dollar or use the U.S. dollar as its own currency. Now, in the short term, that can work and it's only as good as the U.S. dollar maintains its reserve status. So there's some risk there, but Malay thinks in the short term, it's, a, it's an avenue to look at. Now, one thing he wants to do is he wants to abolish 11 of the 19 government departments that run Argentina. And with that said, I want to go to a clip. It's in Spanish, and he's telling people in Argentina what he's going to do. So let me just preface this with, uh, by telling you what he's talking about. So... Malay is in front of a big whiteboard, size of a blackboard when you went to elementary school. And on it, he's got little magnetized placards of all the departments that are in Argentinian government. And what he's doing is he's going through all these departments and throwing these placards out. 
and saying, Afuera, out, gone. So let's go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. Ministerio de Turismo y Deporte, afuera. Ministerio de Cultura, afuera. Ministerio de Ambiente y Desarrollo Sostenible, afuera. Ministerio de las Mujeres y Género y Diversidad, afuera. Ministerio de Obras Públicas, afuera. Aunque te resistas. So some of the department that he is disbanding is the Department of Education, Department of Gender, Department of Public Works, because he says it's racist. And these are all departments that were created by the socialist government that was in place and promulgated until Malai came along. Out. Afuera. And history has a, a way of repeating itself. And I liken what is going on in Argentina as the equivalent of Brexit that took place in 2015 before Trump got elected for his first term. Because this does not happen in a vacuum. People of the world get fed up with their existing socialist government and those that idolize globalism and the people of the World Economic Forum. And it's not just here. So this portends a good outcome for Donald Trump and for us. The people are throwing out socialism. The people are throwing out socialistic policies and bringing back normalcy to their country. And this is what Malay is doing. And this is what Trump is doing. So we shall see. So we've had a number of polls that have come out, I guess, over the past month. And it shows Donald Trump beating Joe Biden, particularly in the swing states where he is beating Joe Biden significantly. But what's really helping Trump is two things. One is that he's making inroads in the African-American community, particularly African-American men who have seen what the Democratic Party has done to them. And they just had enough. And they see what the system is doing to Donald Trump. And they can identify with that. The other thing, which is just as important, is Trump is making inroads with younger people, particularly those under 30. And there was a recent poll that came out that said a significant number of younger people have essentially given up on the American dream. They can't afford a house. They have a hard time buying a car. They have trouble buying food. And this prevents them from having the American dream. House with a picket fence, a wife, kids if, if they want them. And this, this is all gone for these young people. And this is by design by these globalists. Remember the World Economic Forum. You will own nothing and like it. This is what they want. But Donald Trump doesn't want this. He wants people to prosper. Whether you're black, white, young, old, he wants people to prosper. And that's where you gain your independence. You don't gain your independence by government. You gain your independence by your God-given rights, and your belief that if you work a hard day, you'll be able to live a good life. You'll be able to buy a home. You'll be able to get married. You'll be able to have kids. And that's gone for these younger kids. I feel sorry for it, but they're getting it. They're realizing it. And right now, if the election was held today, Trump would win big. Now, I'm not saying we should just pack it in and not do anything to help Trump. We've got to continue fighting until next November. And even after that, we still have to fight. But what's the response of the mainstream media? 
They're just doubling down on their hatred for Donald Trump. They're calling him an autocrat. They're calling him anti-democratic. And, and I find this really ironic. And they think it's anti-democratic when the American people vote somebody in to office to do what they want. Not what the globalists, not what the elitists want, but what the American people want. But in their mind, they represent democracy. The people on the mainstream media represent a democracy. The institutions manned by corrupt individuals, oh, they represent democracy. And with that said, I want to go to a clip with uh, Morning Joe and Mika. And all they're doing is just spewing hatred toward Trump and spewing hatred toward the Trump voter. And what they're doing, it's called projection. You're accusing your opponent of what you're doing. So with that said, let me just go to this clip and then we'll come back and discuss. It's with uh, Mika and Morning Joe. Mr. Trump had wielded language as a chisel to chip away at democratic norms. Normally, a president would use war rhetoric to prepare a nation for war against another nation. She said Donald Trump uses war rhetoric domestically. That his focus is not in taking over other countries. It's in taking over this country, undermining American democracy, undermining the rule of law, calling for the termination of the Constitution, calling still for the arresting and the imprisonment of his political opponent, something he did to me as a member of the media. But, but, but you look at it and, 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 and here it is. I mean, the frightening thing is there are far too many Americans who seem disinterested in the degradation uh, not only of civility, not only of all of the character traits that their parents taught them growing up, that they learn in their communities, that they learn in their churches, but they seem completely disinterested uh, in, in the fact that the leader they're following, well, he's he's an autocrat. He's talking like an autocrat, and he has promised them he is going to rule like an autocrat, arresting political opponents and deciding for himself what news shows stay on television and what news shows don't. Oh, this is so rich. Scarborough is saying that, oh, Trump wants to go after his enemies. Well, isn't that what they're doing to Donald Trump? These four court cases where they're trying to put him in prison for years and years? And how about the J6? people in prison in Washington. Where are their constitutional rights? It's the swamp going after their enemies. And they got a lot of nerve to claim that Trump's going to go after his enemies. As the chief executive, he has every right to go after anyone that is subverting the Constitution. And this is what they're doing. This is what the swamp is doing. This is what the globalists are doing. They want to put their enemies in jail. And J6 and Donald Trump are the perfect examples. And it won't stop at them. They'll come for you. And again, did I mention projection? And then they got the term, oh, it's an autocrat. He's an autocrat. And you're telling me that the swamp, the existing institutions manned by corrupt people, don't act as the equivalent of an autocrat? Trump's just fighting back. He's just fighting back for you and me. And himself, too, at this point. He's got a crazy judge in New York trying to take his business away. And he has a lot of t a nerve to talk about churches. People don't realize that bureaucracies by nature 
are non-religious. They're secular. Left unconstrained, a bureaucracy would find a way to do away with all religions. So he's got a lot of nerve. So we shall see. Some more good news for Donald Trump. A Colorado judge has said that Trump cannot be removed from the Colorado presidential ballot next year. Which was surprising. Many, including myself, thought that this judge was going to remove Trump from next year's ballot in Colorado. But one thing she did say, she said Trump was an insurrectionist. And she based it essentially on the J6 hearing, which was not a court of law. And you're talking about unconstitutional decisions? Trump is an insurrectionist because I took my information that came from an unconstitutional hearing about Donald Trump and J6. So apparently the plaintiffs, which is some left-wing group of attorneys, is going to appeal this to the Colorado Supreme Court. We'll see what happens there. In the event they do overturn this and say that Trump cannot be put on the ballot, this will wind up in the Supreme Court. And they'll rule in Trump's favor. But it was a win. And I find it really, really funny that going into this decision by this Colorado judge, all you heard about on the headlines in the mainstream media, Trump's going to be taken off the ballot. Decision time for Trump in Colorado is all about taking Trump off the ballot. And when the decision finally came down, you didn't hear anything about Trump winning. All the, all the mainstream media did was uh, cover the point that the judge says that Trump was an insurrectionist. His words helped inspire an insurrection. But again, it's so disingenuous by the mainstream media. And people used to call them the fourth estate. But the mainstream media, they just lost the keys to the kingdom. So we shall see. Okay, let me give you an update on the release of hostages that Hamas has. And let's see, um, on the first day of the four-day ceasefire, Hamas released 24 of the roughly 240 hostages taken during its October 7th attack on Israel that triggered the war. And Israel agreed to free 39 Palestinians from prison. Those freed in Gaza were 13 Israelis, 10 Thais, and a Filipino. Apparently, the Thais and the one Filipino were migrant workers. I guess they worked the fields over in Israel. And they were captured by Hamas during their October 7th attack. But Hamas on Saturday said it was delaying the release of the second group of hostages, claiming that Israel had not complied with the deal's terms and had not delivered enough aid. Hamas did not specify the delay's length. The UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees said 196 trucks of aid entered on Friday, and Israel said four fuel trucks and four tanks of gas entered Saturday. Under the truce agreement, Hamas will release one Israeli hostage for every three prisoners freed. Israel's prison services said earlier Saturday that it was preparing 42 prisoners for release. And it is not immediately clear how many non-Israeli captives may also be released. Overall, Hamas is to release at least 50 Israeli hostages and Israel 150 Palestinian prisoners. 
during the four-day truce. Israel has said that the truce can be extended for an extra day for every additional 10 hostages released. So we'll see on this. Now, one thing I don't think people know about is that the Biden administration several months ago had moved military equipment that was earmarked for Israel and sent it to Ukraine, thus putting Israel at a disadvantage. But this is how tone deaf this administration is. They are unable to make a good decision regarding geopolitics and the military. And with that said, I want to talk about Ukraine. Now, we know that the $60 billion that Biden wants to give Ukraine is being held up in Congress, as well as the Israeli aid. But I want to take us to an article here, and it's from the Gateway Pundit. And the headline said, Secret Biden and Scholz plan for Ukraine leaked. Zelensky should negotiate with Russia and accept brutal compromises. After over $100 billion in unaccounted for U.S. taxpayer dollars was funneled off to Ukraine, U.S. President Joe Biden and German Chancellor Olaf Scholz have a new plan for Ukraine. According to Germany's Bild newspaper, the secret plan calls for Ukrainian President Zelensky to come to the realization that things cannot go on like this. And Zelensky should explain to his nation that negotiations must be carried out. The latest German-U.S. plan involves the U.S. and West supplying Ukraine with enough weapons to hold the current front and to give up any expectations of recapturing the lost eastern territories taken by Russia. Ukraine President Zelensky should be forced in a very specific way to negotiate with Kremlin dictator Putin and accept the brutal compromises. Now, we know that this counteroffensive has not gone anywhere, and it's gotten to the point where the top general in the Ukrainian army wrote an article and essentially said, hey, look, we're at a stalemate, and time is not on our side. Time is on the side of Russian. And then there was another article, I think it was... In Newsweek, I may be mistaken, said that uh, Zelensky is in another world. He is failing to see the realities of the war in the fact that Ukraine is not winning. And what happens is that you've got the globalists. They're trying to spin this. They're going to try to spin this in a way that it's palatable, that they can manufacture some type of victory out of this for Ukraine. When in reality, it's not. It's a loss. It's a loss that could have been avoided. All those people that have died on both sides, it could have been avoided. So now you've got the globalists and the West, they're trying to conjure up some type of narrative that makes it appear that Ukraine wants something. Now, it really should be done sooner rather than later because from some of the reports I'm reading is that Russia's thinking about going on the offensive. You know, right now they've just taken over 20% of the country. They put themselves in really strong defensive positions. They rebuffed the counteroffensive by Ukraine, and now they're in a position where they may go on offense. Now, the Russians have a deep history of being able to fight in the winter, and they're quite capable of fighting in the winter. So something has to be done sooner or later to save these Ukraine lives. And if Zelensky has to eat crow, 
the West is going to put him in a position where he has to eat crow. As long as they can form a narrative that, oh, there was some kind of victory out of this. When we all know there was no victory apparent for Ukraine. So we shall see. And with that said, thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And I will talk to you next week.